This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. I remember on the Get to Know Me weekend, when I came in to speak, I had to follow Diva. I was literally like, could you find somebody with a lot less personality? <laughs> like, wow. Oh my goodness, you guys are awesome. So I want to say thank you for last week. All the people who helped, who stayed, who cleaned up, set up, cooked, smoked barbecue, chicken, all of that. It was amazing. Thank you guys for living us really well. So thank you guys. Yes. And as Diva was talking, I, I kind of had this funny thought in my head about Shane's got goals for us and excited about where we're going to go. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you a story about going places with me. Uh, yesterday, we went to Dillon Beach. Ooh, yes. Went to Dillon Beach yesterday, took the dog with us. You know, for those of you that know, I've got a pit bull. And there was a bunch of free dogs, so my prayer life just increased a thousand percent. But on the way back, I don't know what happened. It's, it's a one direction road, and I ended up on a completely different road coming out at a completely different place. My wife is laughing at me, even though she's the co-pilot and supposed to be giving me directions. <laughs> she's laughing at me. We finally make it to the main road, and then I'm on the main road, and I'm heading back in, and she's like, you got it? I'm like, I think I got it. And somehow I end up over by the pastor's house, then I was at a roundabout, and then I was, and Lori's laughing at me the whole time, but granted, the co-pilot's not helping me. So yes, we, there's no telling where we're going to end up, amen? All right, but we'll get there, all right, one way or the other, all right? Exciting days, exciting days. So a few weeks ago, uh, Pastor Ron gave a great teaching on how his story, Jesus' story, became his story and eventually became the church's story. And so I actually want to take that and introduce a new series that's going to go over for the next four weeks, and I'm going to talk to you about how his story became my story and how his story will continue to be our story. Amen? All right, so yes, his story. So the next slide here, I want to see how many of you guys relate to this. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've had many of those moments. Anybody else had a lot of those kind of moments? Oh my goodness, I had some of those moments yesterday with my co-pilot driving back from the beach. <laughs> but anyway, it, it, I've had so many of those running headlong into a brick wall. And, you know, that really describes my spiritual journey. And so today I want to talk to you a bit about my story and how it intersected Jesus' story and why I feel like this place is so special. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. So, Father, I pray now as we dive into what you have for us today, I pray that your spirit would have the freedom to move, to sensitize our hearts to your leading in our ears to your voice. In your name I pray, amen. So growing up, I grew up uh, in a home. My dad 
was a professional drummer. And he played for guys like the Righteous Brothers and all of that kind of stuff. And then he got radically saved. Now, what you need to know before then is my dad, pre his salvation, my dad got saved, I think, when he was like 27 or 28, somewhere right around in there. And when he got saved, my dad was an alcoholic. He'd been drinking since he was 11. Um, He had problems with cigarettes, the whole nine yards. And literally, my dad, on the day of his salvation, boom, gone. No more struggles. It just ended. The Holy Spirit just really broke him off that. And so my whole family, you know, kind of came to faith. My mom came to faith. Uh, I, I I don't think I was around yet. But later I came to faith. But uh, we, we kind of grew up in a really strict background. And where I went to school, I went to a private school, and it was called an independent Baptist school. Now, for those of you who don't know, that's code for we only get along with ourselves. <laughs> and so it was, a, it was a very strict upbringing. And that upbringing, again, I don't think anybody was malicious or anything. It's just what our family was brought into at my mom and dad's salvation. And there was parts of my journey spiritually that really began to frustrate me. And I want to go through a few words here that will talk with you a little bit about my belief system before I ran into Jesus. So performance It's all about how you perform, because the more you do, the more you're loved. The less you do, what? The less you're loved. And so for me, my whole childhood, my my early adult years was all about performing, 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 and going to bed at night knowing it still wasn't good enough. Now, I don't know how many of you came to Jesus from that kind of background or had that in your life. You know that that's, that's kind of terrorizing. And, and it's, it, it's, it's pretty scary at times. Why? Because the next one, rule keeping. So I grew up in a tradition where righteousness was legislated. Right? I remember, I kid you not, my school, we had this rule, and we had to have the air, hair off our ears. Now, I did used to have hair. I wasn't always like this. But hair off our ears, couldn't touch our collar, couldn't touch our, our, our eyebrows. And so we would go through hair check and all of these kind of things, and it was legislated. And when you broke those rules, there was a lot of shame. And so the way that you were kept in line was, you know what? You got to perform. And the way you perform is by keeping the rules. And if you don't keep the rules, God is ashamed of you. And Jesus is ashamed of you. And so just to let you in on a little bit of a secret, I was a tough child. I, how many of you have heard of the Enneagram? Anyone here heard of the Enneagram? Okay, I'm an eight. Do you know what an eight is? They are the challengers. So I was the child that his first word was why. My second phrase was how come. And I'm not going to do it just because you tell me to. So my parents had all kinds of joy in their life. 
all kinds of joy. And so when you take somebody, that personality, and you put them in the top two things there, you can see where my difficulty lied. It, it was hard. It was really, really hard. And that shame, it, then you grew up around paranoia. You were always wondering why, because the picture that we had of God is, is almost like God was like Zeus, and he had this lightning bolt, and he's just waiting and wanting the opportunity to hit you with it. And the church was the same way. The, the, the church was just waiting for you to mess up so they could tell you you messed up, not like you already knew you messed up, but they wanted to make sure you knew that you messed up. And so I grew up with a lot of fear, a lot of fear. I was always, you know, worried about displeasing people and displeasing God, and God just seemed so angry to me, and he just... He seemed so far away that I, did, I would even question, does God actually even love me? I know the Bible says he does, but I'm really not sure if he does because why did he make me this way? Anyone identify with those kind of statements? It's a tough, it's a tough and sad journey. And so that fear was anxiety. I was always waiting for the next shoe to fall. I was always waiting for the next thing to happen. Or, oh man, I didn't, you know, last night, I was literally taught this. So when you pray, you have to pray to God and thank him for all that he does. And then you have to pray for, I guess it was world problems. And then you had to pray for everybody else. And then you had to confess your sins. And down here, then you could pray for you. But down here, I was usually asleep. <laughs> so... You know, and, and so it's like, man, did I, did I make sure I did all that right before, before I prayed in the systems? I don't think were introduced by church and my parents and my school to keep me in terror, but that's what happened. That was my story. I didn't know about it. I was consciously anxious, and I was constantly walking around with a false sense of guilt. Even on days I felt good, I felt bad about feeling good. You, you know what I'm talking about. We've all had those moments. And so this, this was my journey. This was my journey until about three years into my pastorate. My first pastorate, I was a youth pastor at College Heights Baptist Church, and I lived this way. My poor wife. <laughs> it was tough. I just walking around, always second-guessing yourself, not feeling like you measure up not feeling like God loves you, not having peace, not having joy, all those bedrock things that Jesus said that he's came, he's come into our lives to give us these things. I wasn't experiencing them. And so this next slide is, is something really interesting. Now, for those of you that maybe can't see it too well, this is, this is the United States. That's where you live. And, and you live kind of, I don't say you, we kind of live somewhere right around in here, right? Now, over here, this right here is the mighty Mississippi, the Mississippi River, and it's huge. All this red is 7,700 rivers and tributaries that flow into the Mississippi 
that makes it so grand. Isn't that a cool map? Now, see, this is what I think spiritually. I think spiritually it works the same way. I think the mighty Mississippi is a good representation of Jesus. And all of our stories from all the different places and spaces and all the different upbringings, personality, everything, all of it hopefully feeds into who? Jesus. And so one day I was sitting with a good buddy of mine and at this point, all those words were really producing anger for me. I was really becoming angry. And I was sitting down, I was venting to him. He said, Shane, can I just stop you and say something to you? And I said, yes. I won't tell you what he said to me, but it wasn't kind. And he told me to go read the Ragamuffin Gospel. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. So I went and got it, read chapter one. I was like, okay, it's pretty good. Read chapter two from chapter two to the end of the book, I wept. Because I've never heard of God's love like that. I've never heard about grace like that. And see, for those of you that know Brendan Manning, he was a guy that was a Catholic priest who fell into alcoholism and the priesthood who got sober and was had a kind of a nationwide ministry, and then he fell again, lost everything. God redeemed him again. And out of that second redemption, he wrote 27 different books, all on the amazing grace of God and the amazing love of God. And so I would like for you to see, for me, what I ran into. So the next slide um, talks about Jesus' story. And so for me, Jesus' story starts with the word love. You've heard Pastor Ron teach on this, that God is what? Love. You cannot divorce Jesus from love because he is. And I love this verse. Look at it here. It says, God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love. Isn't that cool? The way the message puts that. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God, and God lives in us. And so I was having this moment where I was experiencing the love of God for the first time. And, and, and you know, growing up, I was taught a lot about loving the Bible. Man, I've loved it, memorized it. Remember sword drills? Anybody do sword drills? See who can find the book of the Bible and the verse the fastest. If you haven't done that, don't. <laughs> because people like me and that never win. My brain freezes up. I'm like, ah, you know. But I mean, I, I knew about loving the Bible, but even, even in seminary, I wasn't taught how to love Jesus. I wasn't taught how to love God. And so I didn't know. I had no clue. I didn't even know with the I didn't even know what to do with the love that I was experiencing for the first time in my life from Jesus. I, it was just absolutely overwhelming. Let's look at the next one. The next slide here is that Jesus's story is inclusive and we're equal. Colossians chapter 3 verse 11 says all the old fashions are now obsolete. You'll notice I still wear old fashions. 
But all the old fashions are obsolete. Words like Jewish, non-Jewish, religious, irreligious, insider, outsider, uncivilized, and uncouth, slave and free mean nothing. For now on, everyone is defined by who? Christ. And everyone is included in Christ. And so not only now was I experiencing his love and his grace, I was beginning for the first time in my life to feel like an insider. That I wasn't the second class Christian, that that I was now able to move into God's love and he accepted me and I had equal standing with others. Isn't that beautiful news? That no matter where we've come from, no matter what we've done, no matter what we're doing, all of that, God loves us unconditionally and we're all equal. And I am so thankful for that truth. Let's look at the next one. Compassion. Now remember that false guilt and and that paranoia and that anxiety and all of those things. The next healing wave that God hit me with was compassion. Says this, when he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. And so for the first time, I was feeling love. I was feeling acceptance and being equal and included. But now I'm feeling that God all along, my story was trying to show me compassion. And he was heartbroken over the anxieties and the fears that I had, that it broke his heart. And he wanted to be my shepherd. He, he wanted to be more than just my savior. He wanted to be my friend. He wanted to be the brother, the friend that sticks closer than the brother. He, he, he wanted to be my leader. And all of these things, while in the back of my mind I knew them, I didn't know them. But now I know them. The issue is, is if you grew up in that first story I told you about, it's awful easy for me to step back into that story and start beating myself up, right? We all do that, don't we? But finding our place in Jesus's story, and I love what Pastor Ron said, at the end of history, at the end of it all, his story will be the only story. And that story for me, now there's a lot about Jesus's story I could break out, but these are the top three things, love, acceptance, and compassion. These were brand new, overwhelming themes in my life. And so we're going to go into now something a little different. We're going to go into communion. And um, Spike's going to come up and he's going to play. And as we go into communion, I want you to think about this. You know, in Scripture, it says, Paul tells the Corinthians, he says, do this in remembrance of him. We're remembering him, right? But one guy asked me one time this question, and it floored me. It says, why when we come to communion, do we only think about the cross and the resurrection? I'm sure that when they were sitting around remembering him, Peter probably had a cool story to tell about boat and water, right? They probably had a cool story to tell about catching a fish with something in his mouth, right? All of these cool stories. I imagine the three disciples that got to witness the transfiguration had an awesome 
story to tell. So today, as we go and we collect communion and we come back and you take communion, I just want us to focus this morning on the way that his story is intersected with your story and all the amazing things that Jesus has done for you. Amen? Let us pray. So, Father, I pray now that as we take communion, Father, I pray that, yes, we would hold high your sacrifice, your sacrifice of love, but I pray that we would also remember the unique and personalized stories where you've shown us love and acceptance and compassion. In your name I pray, amen. Close out the the service today. I want to show you this next slide. And this one was really big for me because I remember I grew up in a performance-oriented style faith. And so I didn't know what to do with it. And so you might have the same question that I had. It's now what? (laughs) Now what do I do, right? And I think I want to look at two people who really said it really well. Paul says in Ephesians 3, and we've been going through that Ephesians uh, teaching series on the way of Jesus, but in Paul uh, says in chapter 3, it says, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. So this this first verse, I I would say it this way. Um, When you go into a swimming pool, a public swimming pool, do you ever just watch people? You know how there's some people that will go in the shallow end, and, and they're kind of insane. They go in the shallow end and actually use the steps to get into the pool. Like, what is that about, right? And, and, then, and then you got the people who go midway and kind of jump in, but looking for the side. You know what I'm talking about? You've seen it. And there is that one crazy kid who really can't swim too well, and he goes to the deep end and just jumps, right? I want to encourage you this week, forget about the shallow and the mid-level. Go jump in the deep end. And just pray this week. Pray that prayer. God, I want my roots to go down deep into your love. Will you help me understand today and the next day and the next day just how much you love me? Even though I will never fully understand it. And I can promise you this, my brothers and sisters, when you begin to pray that prayer, that's one Jesus is going to answer. Amen? He's going to answer that one. The next one is out of my favorite book of the Bible, Hosea. And Hosea said this, I'm after love that lasts, not more religion. So I don't want you to put a bunch of things on your things to do list, right? Focus upon God. And then what does he say? I want you to know God, not go to more prayer meetings. Now, there's nothing wrong with prayer meetings, right? But the point is, is to know God. And so in the beginning, I said I was going to share a little bit about my story, how it intersected Jesus' story, and how it will continue to be part of our story moving forward. So over the next three weeks, I want to talk about 
how your church has already impacted my life. Our church has already impacted my life. When I was looking for a place that I could pastor, I saw a church named New Life in California. I thought, man, that, that's kind of cool. I've already worked in a new life. I'd like to see what this one's about. And then when I went on your webpage and I saw everyone is what? Loved. No one's perfect and anything is what? Possible. That, those three phrases summed up 28 years of Jesus working on me. And I became so excited because I was like, God, this seems like a church of misfits. <laughs> yes, amen, amen. And I get to be a misfit finally. And we are going to continue to encounter his story because those three phrases are at the bedrock of who I am. And so church, it's at the bedrock of who you are. And so as we move forward together in a new leg of our journey, his story is only going to get bigger and more prominent in our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. I love you guys. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.